From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. The NCAA tournament isn't just about champions. It's about moments. It's about memories. It's about legacy-making, defining sports moments that we'll talk about forever. And last night... We got one of those. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, HD. I walked into Madison Square Garden last night knowing I had a good shot at seeing a great game. We talked yesterday about Kansas State, Michigan State, what that matchup could look like. We knew it was going to be a close game. It was too close for me to figure out how to even put any money on it. I stayed away from the game. I couldn't figure out who was going to win. All I wanted to see was something memorable. And I walked into the garden, and I'm telling you, man, goosebumps from the outset. Two teams that absolutely went through a heavyweight fight that came down to the wire, a game with a clinching shot that took us to overtime as the moments were closing, an overtime victory for Kansas State. And all I kept thinking was I just watched an instant classic, and I watched the rise, the continued rise of Marquise Noel, a name a lot of people may not have been familiar with a couple of months ago that is now on everybody's lips, a household superstar. Well, I would say this, a sweet 16 game that a lot of people will remember for the rest of their lives. That's how epic this game was. And you just mentioned it went in overtime, but the back and forth between the two teams was phenomenal. You talk about Jerome Tang and also Tom Izzo, those two guys coaching their tails off throughout the duration of the basketball game. It was phenomenal for you to be there in person, but it was also phenomenal for me, Fitz, to be at home watching it on TV with my young son. And I'm trying to teach him everything at three years old on what's going on during the basketball basketball game but at the same time trying to you know keep my focus but you talk about an epic performance from that young man Marquise Noel and I'm gonna say it loud John Calipari say his name Mm. say his name John Calipari because he is a smaller player in college basketball but his play is of a giant you ever heard of David and Goliath oh yeah well Marquise Noel knows a lot about that as well Time after time, he made the right basketball play, whether it's from scoring, assisting, in which he has the all-time record in NCAA tournament history with 19 last night to go along with 20 points. He made the right basketball play for his team time and time again. And I just love when guys are able to do that from the point guard position because NCAA tournament time, right, March Madness is to me. Yes, you want to have the bigs, you want to have the forwards, but point guard play is very vital. And how deep you can go in the tournament is based on how your point guard plays and also how your point guard is able to orchestrate things for you to get easy buckets. And time and time again, Noel was able to do that for Kansas State. It's so funny you mentioned that because you're right. And we talked going into the tournament, is it still a guard play heavy tournament? The answer was yes from all of our experts. And we saw it. And one of the interesting things, even watching Michigan State, who in the first two rounds played really strong perimeter defense, they didn't have an answer for two things that Noel was doing last night. Number 
one, when he was able to get that first step and get into the lane, you watched the defenders collapse to him because they knew they didn't have the speed to slow him down, right? But in the process of collapsing to him, he just has great court vision. So he did a beautiful job as he's being collapsed on by three people of just, whoop, like playground basketball, just whoop, get it right around him. All of a sudden, you got an easy bucket, which is where some of those 19 assists came from. But then the other side of it is I was, I was 10 rows back from him when he uh, hurt his ankle, right? He's mm-hmm. on the he's in the chair. You could hear him in the arena yelling in pain as they twice rewrapped his foot. Then they put the shoe on, took it off, they rewrapped it again. You could hear him. Every time there was a TV timeout, you could watch him physically hobble. But he comes right out, and on one of the first possessions, with virtually no time left on the clock, just does this wild spin-around jumper that goes right in, and you're looking at it thinking, this is a guy that's in the groove, that's in the moment. Adrenaline is helping him get through an injury. Every sort of heroic type moment that you look for the legacy moments like I said for March Madness he got particularly in the second half because there was never an answer a well-coached smart basketball team in Michigan State could never figure out the puzzle of how to slow down Marquise Noel and I'm excited for Noel because he is a New York guy and he got to put on that performance at the Mecca Madison Square Garden right I'm pretty sure he grew up fantasizing and and envisioning that him making plays at the highest level. Well, right now is the highest level for him. And going out with that ankle injury, you know what he said? There's no tomorrow. There's no tomorrow. I got to go back out there right now for my team, even if I am hobbled. And that's what he did, that New York gritty, New York toughness. And he prevailed for his team. But for him to be 5'8", Fitz, 160 pounds, and still have the vision to orchestrate things, still have the vision – to give the ball to his teammates in places where they can just score is another phenomenal piece to all of this because he's not the, you know, prototypical 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", point guard that everyone wants. He's 5'8", and he's making these plays on a consistent basis. And you know my favorite play, you know, over there, you know, going back and forth with your coach, and then Keontae uh, Johnson goes back door because of the, the defense is being lazy, or you know, being a little lackadaisical, and he slam dunks at home. That was my favorite play of the entire game. My favorite. And the, there's so many moments in this game. And Jerome Tang, the Kansas State head coach, he talked a little bit about that spat. I'll be honest with y'all. I'm going to be so honest with you. I didn't see it in the arena. Because in the arena, all you saw was a dunk. And let, uh, the number of times I saw Michigan State defenders lose a player from Kansas State on the baseline. Like, baseline cut. The guy next to me was turning it into a drinking contest. Every time we saw one, he would take a sip of his beer. By the end of the night, he was very hammered because they kept coming <laughs> up with him. But this is what Coach had to say about the spat that has now become a sensation. Everyone's seen it. It looked like Noel was disagreeing with the coach on the call on the court. I won't say we were arguing, but we both had different opinions on what we should run to get the same result. He knew what I wanted, and uh, I understood what he wanted, and it was both going to get the same result. That's why I said, okay. But in the meantime, everyone, well, the defense's eyes got caught up on us talking and uh, let our All-American cut back door. What he wanted to run and what I wanted to run, I think it would have resulted in the same thing, Keontae cutting back door, just not as, um, flamboyant as throwing the ball from half court. You know, it's it's funny, Harry. It. When he when he talks about that, we talk about the NFL all the time with eye discipline, and the way he talks about you know Michigan State defenders got their eyes caught. That happened all game. And it, it is all, in my mind, it's all because of Noel. Because, like I said earlier, they were so worried about his first step 
that it felt like they just constantly lost the guy that was making some sort of a cut, and it happened the whole game. And I'm watching this go down, and all I'm thinking about is, to be frank, I don't care about where any of these guys project in the NBA. I don't care about what's next for them in the world of basketball. I don't care about the greatness that could be building towards their future careers. I don't care about any of that. Last night, what you saw was the glory and beauty of college basketball. You saw somebody that may not have an NBA future. Who cares? You saw that person make a legacy that will last forever, a moment that we'll watch in 20 years when they do the rips of the greatest Sweet 16 games, when they do the rips of most dramatic endings, when they talk about Kansas State every time they ever advance in the tournament again. It will be what we saw last night that's part of that conversation. And to me, I just stood there stunned as I watched the Garden go nuts thinking about the the moment that that was created by a bunch of guys that are playing for the love of the game and playing for the love of college basketball. And we complicate everything with these conversations about NIL and these conversations about the NBA draft. For one night, I felt myself just get lost in all of that and just appreciating the beauty of college basketball. Well, I would say that's that's the dopeness of being on a team, right? Because it doesn't matter what a lot of these guys are going to do afterwards. Let's just, let's just focus on the now, and that's the moment that they're in, right? But they're going to remember this for the rest of their lives. They're going to remember this for the rest of their lives, Fitz. Being at Madison Square Garden in this week 16 against Tom Izzo, against Michigan State, one of the blue buds of basketball for what, the last, what, 30 years or, or, or even more? They're going to remember winning this basketball game. But back to, you know, Noel and, and, his, and his coach going through it, and that's okay. Right? Sometimes players and coaches don't see eye to eye, but they may have the same vision. They might not see eye to eye on a certain play, but that's okay. But for him to still have the, the sense to see his teammate cutting back door and to throw the basketball, throw the lob for the alley hoop is phenomenal. It shows me that he's intact no matter what he was con- con- conversing with his coach or trying to get done. He's still surveying the basketball court with his peripheral and was able to make a play for his team. I think if you're right now Kansas State, the only thing you're doing is you're praying to the ankle gods, right? You want to make sure that that ankle, he was able to go through so much. I, yeah. I, I could not believe at one point when the doctors were working on his foot, and I don't know if this made the TV broadcast. You guys would have to tell me. But at one point, the doctors were trying to get his foot rewrapped, and his team had given up a couple of straight possessions that just weren't right. And he hopped out of that chair, and he was hopping on one leg like a pogo stick, waving his towel furiously in the air yeah. while he was yelling at his teammates in a way that you you could you couldn't hear what he was saying, but you could hear his voice over a packed garden arena. And to me, I just think about that leadership and what we saw. Man, I'll never forget being in the garden last night. I think most college basketball heads uh, will remember last night's game for a long time. It was an, an it was an instant classic. And we but also, give, go ahead. But also. Michigan State, I got to give my hat out to those players. Walker, all those guys, Hauser, they really showed up. And Mazud for, for Kansas State, timely buckets, man, for his team. Yeah, this this was uh, – I don't I, – I think both teams are going to look back at that game for a long time. Michigan State's going to wonder about one or two plays for, I think, the rest of time, right? That's just the way those games go, but – it was incredible. The crazy thing is that wasn't the only immediate, instant, amazing classic we saw last night. Two teams have done it before. They did it again. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
Westwood One, NCAA Radio Network on the call. If you went to bed early last night, you missed another epic college basketball finish in a game that, frankly, UCLA had under control until they didn't. Gonzaga comes back and gets the last second dagger three to beat UCLA in advance. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. And your smart speakers just ask him to play ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And Harry Travis tweeted us and said, I have the odds set at minus 300 that Jason Fitz sounds like Joan Rivers today after attending last night's epic game in the Garden. Uh, I will admit, I I thought this morning when I got up, I was like, I don't know how much, because there was a lot of yelling in that place. And I tweeted this last night. I don't know what difference the extra time made for Tennessee going in, but I know it made a difference for Tennessee fans because Vols fans took over MSG at one point, and they were drunk. I mean, that extra time was just extra time to walk the concourse, get them an extra extra frothy adult beverage. I'm telling you, there was Vols orange everywhere, and they were drunk. I had to behave myself a little bit in the garden because I knew I was going to come on. I had to be 100% for you know, love Friday with my, with my guy. So I had, I had to, I had to, I feel like I sound pretty good. I feel like I'm pretty normal. No, but, but, but I'll tell you, some, sometimes it's not even the alcohol. It's like being in a loud venue and mm-hmm. you have to talk loud to people. Therefore, now it compromises your voice. That's one thing I learned about myself. Said that I couldn't drink or have a drink or two or three or maybe four or maybe five. It's not that. It's the fact that I got to yell when I'm talking to people that makes my voice a little bit hoarse. And now my voice is in a place that I don't want it to be. That's what happened when I was in Vegas. When I was in Las Vegas, I had to come the next day and do a show on ESPN Radio. I had to yell at people when I was trying to talk to them when I was in loud spaces. Therefore, it made my voice hoarse. So I had to drink a hella honey fits. Had to drink hot water. Had to get, you know, some some lemons and some ginger root. Because I got to yell at people. So people, if you see me out at a venue and it's loud... Don't make me yell at you to talk to you. But see, Come close to me. We, Come closer to me. We do this because we're people people, right? Like we, 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 we like and we can't to help people. it. So then, yeah, you're right. Like you get in the arena, everybody's talking to you. And then like um, before you know it, you're having full on sports debates with people in the middle of an arena that's packed. All right. Uh, obviously, we weren't doing that in Vegas. I did do that Madison Square Garden. But the other games <laughs> were in Vegas. And uh, ironic that they were in Vegas because uh, Julian Strother hit the game winning uh, shot for Gonzaga. Why is that significant? He's a Vegas kid. Grew up in Vegas. Plays at Gonzaga. The junior guard hit the incredible 30-foot. I mean, his foot it was still really kind of in the March Madness paint. Like, it was a heave-ho, high-ho, there we go, that uh, got them the win. And Gonzaga comes back. And Drew Timmy was absolutely Ooh. sensational. I feel like he's been playing college basketball for 74 years. I can't confirm that one way or the other. He's been playing a long time. But, man, Harry, he was absolutely wild last night like unstoppable in a 79 76 win over the second seeded ucla yeah you talk about the big man for gonzaga 36 points 13 rebounds but every time they needed a bucket and even coming out of halftime when they needed a spark drew timmy is the guy that they went to early and often and he carried them to a victory and back to back to strother like you was talking about i think it's phenomenal for him to hit that game winning shot where he grew up in Las Vegas. That got, that's going to be something that he remembers for the rest of his life that he can tell his kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. He's going to be implemented in Gonzaga basketball for that moment. You talked about March Madness. That's what Mar- March Madness is all about. These moments where these guys can actually make a name from themselves and people can look at them in a different light. But a phenomenal basketball game. And these two teams, UCLA, who's led by Mick Cronin, Gonzaga, who's led by Mark Few, these two teams have some history. 
history when it comes to NCAA tournament time. This year, Gonzaga came on top of that. But Hawkeyes Jr. played a hell of a game as well. Mm-hmm. No, you are a thousand percent right about that. I mean, it was the stars shine bright, as they always do in Vegas. But it really did feel like, and this is one of the themes we saw yesterday. And I'll be interested to see if it transfers over to tonight in the Sweet 16 action. It was truly about the best players rising as much as they could. And and Drew Timmy finishes with 36 points, 13 boards in a game where in the first half he was all the offense they could get. In the second half, they find a way to survive. And a lot of conversation about the game-winning shot. But what's interesting is that uh, Mark Few, the head coach of Gonzaga, uh, told everybody a a little bit of a hint here on that shot and where he got it from. He's made that shot multiple times for us this year. Um, I vividly, I mean, it, if you look back to the BYU game, I mean, he had a very deep three, a dagger three like that in that game, very similar. We practice that play. Uh, it's, hey, <clears throat> that's Jay Wright's play used at the end of the Villanova-Carolina game in the championship. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, we, uh, that's what we call it. So, uh, and he makes it all the time. So, yeah, when he asked me, it was stronger, stronger words than what he used. I just said, yeah, yeah. Make it. Make it. I love the fact that they took that. Uh, he's crediting the play. Str- I love it. Str- stronger words than he would normally <laughs> use. Beep, beep, beep. Call the play. Call my play. <laughs> I love it. I to, love every bit of it. To think that that moment, and I remember the bar I was in in Nashville for that shot. I, like, And we're going to take your calls on 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. want you guys to get involved in this conversation today. Uh, in, in honor of me being at the Garden in a game, two games that I had no vested interest in, uh, but I just wanted to see great classics. What's the best game you've ever attended that wasn't for your team, somebody else. Like you're just, you're there, you happen to be in the room and you see something that you say, oh my God, I can't believe I witnessed it. That's how I'm still feeling today. 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. But I remember, as most of us do, uh, the Jay Wright Villanova shot that he's talking about. I remember the bar I was in in Nashville and there were so many people, it was crowded and it was funny because it wasn't a sports bar. But by the end of that game, what you had was 30 or 40 people standing around one TV because they only had one watching it and watching that dagger shot go in. And, you know, it's funny because in that moment, that felt surreal. Now that feels like normal quality college basketball. You know, the Steph Curry effect, uh, being that you know, looking for that game-winning three is a normal part of the process. I, I watched it last night and thought, oh, I've seen that before. And to have Coach admit that I think is, is kind of a fun element there. Well, I think situational basketball, right? And practice uh, practice makes perfect. When you practice things consistently, it gives you the confidence that when you're in the game and these situations come up, you have the confidence that you're going to get it done, you're going to make the shot, that the pass is going to be correct. And if you're a head coach, that's your players can get this job done. And that's what happened last night with Gonzaga. That's what happened with Villanova and Jenkins hitting the three to win a national championship. And that's where we are now, right? Practice makes perfect. So, parents, if you're out there and you're listening, tell your kids you can't just show up and think it's going to happen. you got to envision it, but you also got to practice it multiple times. Therefore, when the moment comes up, you have confidence that it's going to happen. Let's take a quick one. Patrick in Florida called in with a, a favorite moment, not your favorite team, what, but you were there, Patrick. What was it? Yeah, so I was in New Orleans for the championship versus Kentucky and Kansas. I'm a UConn guy. That's where I graduated from, but my buddy loves Kansas, so we were there for a bachelor party. And I remember walking down the street, and Kentucky was standing next to us, uh, staying next to us in a hotel, and I saw AD, and I was like, that dude's a monster. And then watched them just absolutely – 
take Kansas down for a $10 ticket I bought from an ousted team. Oh, see, that's, wow. by the way, good value. I appreciate a good value. Love the call. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. I did not get any of that good value on my Madison Square Garden You didn't ticket. get in for free? I did not get in for free. In fact, I oh, I, wow. I, I I paid a pretty penny. I paid a, for me. I paid a pretty. I mean, my for, bad man, my bad. For man. Harry Douglas, my it's bad. like a you know a box of Cheetos. But for me, it was <laughs> a, it, it, it was it was a pretty penny. All right, we'll keep taking your calls. The best event, sporting event you've ever been to, not for your favorite team. The classic that you can't ever forget. Triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. The NCAA tournament was epic last night. One story we one story we saw can only be described as. Weird. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel Lady, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. We learn a lot about the mood of the guys uh, on the show on Fridays, Harry, because it's a uh, it's a love Friday. So you know, Javante's handled this a few weeks. Now Devin is uh, handling it today. We've had a little back and forth on this, finding out uh, you know maybe a little of Devin's style. Whew! All right, that's all I got to say. That's all I got to say. You know, when I think about love. I love Bill Barnwell, ESPN senior NFL writer, host of the Bill Barnwell Show, joins us now. Bill, uh, again, on Fridays, uh, the more awkward I can make our introduction, my friend, the better for everybody in America, I feel like. Uh, But just when you thought it couldn't get any more awkward, it did yesterday with Lamar Jackson. I don't know what to make of this as the NFL uh, has sent a letter out to clubs saying you can't negotiate with uh, anyone that's not a certified agent, and then Lamar says there's nothing to it and announces his new business with the same guy. I'm very confused. What do you make? of the latest in the Lamar Jackson situation? I mean, nothing about it fits, feels as smooth and soulful as that introduction music you just played for me coming into the show. And that's what this should be. This is the, you know, should be a crowning achievement for Lamar Jackson, right? Like this should be a rare opportunity for teams to acquire a 26-year-old former MVP in the prime of his career. And nothing about this process has felt smooth, or controlled or well laid out. It's been chaotic. It's been teams negotiating in public. It's been the NFL leaking this stuff, perhaps, about Lamar Jackson not having legal representation. And, of course, Lamar Jackson's a smart guy, and I understand not wanting to hire an agent. I understand what, thinking, okay, you know, I, I, certainly, you know, you can figure out, okay, this is what quarterbacks make. This is what I'm worth. But clearly there's some elements of having an agent that are advantageous for you that are not applying or happening here. And I think that's the frustrating thing is, you know, at the end of the day, like I want what's best for Lamar Jackson. Genuinely. I want him to get the deal he wants. I want him to be happy. And I just worry that he's not going to get that opportunity because he does not have an NFL agent. Now, Bill, I have to ask you when it comes to the football side of things and you look at Lamar Jackson, what is the best fit for him? Well, I really like the Atlanta Falcons where, you know, they already had the quarterback one game built in um, in that offense with Marcus Mariota last year. Of course, I think Desmond Ritter deserves more time, but he was a third round pick. It wasn't like they committed to him in the draft like he was going to be their their franchise quarterback of the future. Um, 
Falcons obviously need a quarterback. They're, that stadium, which, of course, you know can be rocking at its best, has kind of been pretty quiet the past couple of years, um, you know, during the downturn of the Matt Ryan era. And then last year, as they were, you know, kind of going through a, a middling season, I think it's going to revitalize and spark the fan base there in Atlanta. And they have cap space. They have money to work with. So, in a wide open NFC South where, you know, getting Lamar Jackson might be the difference between winning the division and maybe finishing in third or fourth place. I really can't believe the Falcons have not been more aggressive in at least publicly coming out and saying, hey, if it works out, we'd love to have Lamar. They've actually done the opposite, which is so strange to me. We're talking to Bill Barnwell on Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, stick with the Lamar question for one more here because I, I keep looking at the commanders and I have a hard time believing that they're really going to go into the season with Sam Howell as their mm-hmm. starting quarterback with a roster that's actually pretty good. Am I missing something? Well, I mean, they, they you know, they brought in Jacoby Brissett and I think that could help. But the, the thing with Lamar for them that I always wonder about is Daniel Snyder is – probably selling this football team and maybe selling this football team in the next couple of months. I mean, look at the, the signing bonus deadlines they've had in terms of paying those bonuses out. They're pushed back to May, which is pretty uncommon for NFL teams. You know, from Daniel Snyder's perspective, he's selling this team. Obviously, he's going to make more money than any of us are going to have in our lifetimes. But, you know, does he want to pay out a $50 million bonus, $70 million bonus to Lamar Jackson up front for a team he's not going to own in six months? That's, that's the only thing that gives me pause with the commanders. Maybe why they headed towards uh, someone like Brissett as maybe, you know, maybe not as exciting of an option as Lamar Jackson, but a kind of secure pair of hands to work with a quarterback. Well, Bill, I got to ask you about that because you look at the, um, the East, right? The NFC mm-hmm. East, and you look at the quarterbacks. You have Dak Prescott, you have Daniel Jones, you have Jalen Hurts, in which, you know, all of those teams made the playoffs a year ago. And the team that did not make the playoffs was the Washington Commanders. And I know right now they're saying they're going to roll with Sam Howell. They brought in Jacoby Brissett. But I just don't understand why the Commanders, whether you're Daniel Snyder or the new ownership, why you wouldn't bring in Lamar Jackson to give yourself a competing chance to, you know, try to win that division and, and also try to try to make the playoffs. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I really think it's the money thing. You know, I think for Snyder, he doesn't want to spend money right now. If it's the new owner, if a new owner comes in in May and – Lamar Jackson is still out there, and that owner is ready to spend the same way the Broncos were when they got bought by uh, the Waltons last year. They should absolutely go after Lamar Jackson. No question. Not only are you taking a fan base that has been worn down by 20 years of uh, actively being insulted by the organization, but you're taking a guy from your next-door neighbors. You're stealing him from the Ravens. You can own the area, I live in the DMV. You can own this area if you get Lamar Jackson and they start winning divisions. That can be a, a, a franchise-altering move. So absolutely, I think they should do it if the money's in place. But for Daniel Snyder, I, I think he's checked out. I think he knows his time is done here, and I don't think he really cares about improving the team all that much right now. All right, Bill, we're asking everybody, since I was at the Garden last night with no rooting interest on the teams and got to watch an instant classic the favorite sporting event you've ever been to in person uh, where it wasn't your favorite team. It's just, oh, my God, I can't believe I just saw that. Bill Barnwell, you've seen so much. Is there one that stands out as your, <laughs> oh, my God? Oh, I, I went to a, a Tottenham-Chelsea match. Tottenham, sorry, Tottenham-West Ham match. So, North London derby, two you know, historic teams. 
And I got to see like a 23-year-old Gareth Bale just break everyone's hearts in, in the home crowd for West Ham. It was like a 90-second minute winner. And just like seeing the stadium deflate, except for one section where the fans were going absolutely crazy, so cool. So much fun. That's my moment. Bill Barnwell going with the Premier League. I, I never would have imagined. Fine, Look at <laughs> I mean, yeah, I knew you were fancy, but golly, like that's fancy, <laughs> Bill. I always appreciate your time, brother. Have a great weekend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Be sure to check out the Bill Barnwell Show wherever you get your podcast. Bill always doing great work. Fitz and Harry's presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or call 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. All right, we're going to get to your calls on the best moment you attended that didn't involve your team. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm going to take a sense of appreciation this year with Shohei. We'll get to your calls in a second on your favorite sporting event you've ever attended live. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. But Harry, just hearing Jeff Passan, who every day leading up to the beginning of Major League Baseball season is going to give us a different nugget, right? He's going to give us a different thing to consider getting ready for the season. When he sits there and talks about the $500 million, the $600 million, what I don't want to do it with this season is I don't want to waste this season of appreciation for Shohei while we're busy worrying about where he's going to play next. It's what the NBA does all the time. We get so consumed with one athlete and where he's going to play that we mm-hmm. don't appreciate the way he's playing in the moment. And I'm not saying that, it, that it'll result in a World Series or that there'll be some great result for his team, but I just want to appreciate Shohei knowing full well that in a year he'll be in a Mets jersey. Well, well, I will say this. Like, I, I think a lot of people appreciate Otani, but, you know, the Angels need to get to the postseason. I mean, Otani can't help that he would have had more wins as a starting pitcher if his, you know, relievers, if those guys came in and did a better job. That's, that's not his fault. You know what I mean? You got two of the best baseball players on your team in Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, and you can't make a playoff appearance. So people can't help but to look ahead and think about where Shohei Otani could end up, you know, what baseball team he could end up. I don't think it's going to be the Mets. And even if he is with the Mets, it's okay. We're going to treat him like a pinata oh, down here in Atlanta. Oh, man. We're going to treat him like a pinata, knock all kind of candy loose out of his body. Should I buy, like, do I buy a, a home Mets uh, look first, <laughs> or do I go with the away? Do I want the, I think I want the obnoxious blue, so I can just start wearing it on here. I got to order but, but, it but soon can so I can, I, can wear it Can I be honest, though? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I do want to see him on another team. Yeah, selfishly, 100%. Because he's so doggone good at baseball. From his pitching to his batting, just, you know, I, I, I just want to see him with someone else. I, I don't want to see his talent get wasted and not even have playoff appearances. I just love being in the moment because that's where I was last night at Madison Square Garden. It's time for the Boost Mobile Tournament Preview. Switch to Boost Mobile for the power to save on one of America's largest 5G networks. Don't forget, we'll get back into the uh, NCAA uh, action tonight, obviously, but in honor of being there in the garden last night, we've been asking you guys, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776, your favorite sports memory that you were there. You attended it, but it's not your favorite team. I don't want your favorite team. I want that moment that you're there and you say, I can't believe I get to see this right now. Kyle in Connecticut. Kyle, thanks for calling the show, man. What you got? So, uh, 
I went to the Nets Magic game, and I want to say 93 and 94, when Shaq ripped the backboard off the stanchion. I was sitting about 15 rows up um, right behind that backboard. It was a crazy scene. I was probably 12 at the time. Um, it was absolutely wild watching him just rip that thing right off the team, wires hanging down as the thing's crashing down on him. That's amazing. That is such an iconic Memory mm-hmm. and you know what? What like? Look, I know everybody says stay out of your phone so you can live in the moment. What what sucks is that you you do kind of wish you had a cell phone video of that. Like right? I mean, Harry, you wish you could pull up the phone and be like, I remember this, right? Well, I'll tell you one thing about Shaq. You know, they changed the way they made basketball goals uh, probably because of Shaq. No, oh, thank, yeah. thank goodness for that. There, no doubt, Curtis in North Carolina. Curtis, what you got? What's the the memory for you? Hey, what's going on, Fitz? What's going on, Harry? Just what's living up, the baby? dream. Hey, that's what's up, man. Now, I, it was easy to pick one of my own team, but I had to go back and look at it. I was about eight years old. My father took me to uh, Arlington, Texas, and I seen Nolan Ryan pitch a no-hitter. I didn't know that was going to be his last one, but uh, we're talking about like 91. I want to say they played the Blue Jays, but uh, I seen Nolan Ryan pitch a no-hitter, and that was pretty amazing. That, okay, that's that's really incredible too when you're watching it go down, Harry, because you don't necessarily care about the outcome, right? Like at that point, if you're not a fan one way or the other, you just want to see the no hitter. And when you're seeing it from Nolan Ryan, like that has to have a different level of, of 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 hit. That that feels like that one hits, right? Oh yeah, Nolan Ryan's a legend. I have plenty of baseball cards of Nolan Ryan. As Devin just pointed out, it doesn't hit because it's a no hitter. We'll be here all week. Try the veal, Brian in <laughs> Dayton, uh, Ohio. Brian, what do you got for us, man? Uh, I was at that um, uh, actually last week at the Purdue and FDU game watching FDU take out the number one team. Oh yeah, that's unbelievable! Like that is unbelievable. That's cool. And, and you don't? I mean, obviously, yeah. The 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 round was in Ohio. That look. That's pretty, when you're at sixteen v one. That's pretty spectacular. We'll give you, by the way, some of ours as we go through the show. Some of our moments. I I got to be honest. I didn't realize that wow. we brought this question up. Like. I've had a lucky life. I've witnessed some history in my life and some well, moments that are Just hold on a minute. What? Just hold on a what? minute. He was at that game where you had the Giants of Purdue going against FDU. Who says size matter? Uh, well, hmm. I like working for Disney, so I'm not going to answer me. that question. I'm just not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it took us a full hour to get off the rails on a Friday. Triple Eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. We'll keep taking your calls. But coming up, one NFL quarterback is trying to do business, and some people have an issue with it. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 